Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. And we're here for, did I say episode 22 already? Yes, I did. Episode 22. No? Okay. Well, we are doing episode 22. And uh, my girlfriend, Jen, what is our topic for today? We decided we are going to go with Trail of Terror. Oh my goodness. So the parameters for this was... Anyone who's died on a trail, been killed on a trail, been found on a trail. Lots of blood on the trail. Yep. Something of that nature. So today's episode Mm -hmm. is probably going to be really bad. It's also probably going to be quite long because I know my case is long and I have a feeling Jen's case is super long too. It's, it's, um, yeah, but we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep your interest. Yes. Trust me. These are, you're going to want to keep going. If you you're going to want to be like, the hell's happening? In between our stories. That's fine. That's fine. Go to work. Do what you need to do. But we might go over an hour. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Right, Jen? <laughs> it's, yeah. Sorry, not sorry. 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 I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so. Today. I am going to tell you the story of the Donner Party. All I ever think of when you say this is Robin Williams in fucking Patch Adams with the skeleton going, Donner Party of 50. That's all I ever think of when this comes up. I think I think that when we decided to do uh, Trail of Terror, the meme like the Christmas time meme where towns that are named after Christmas things and someone put up Donner Lake and everyone's like, that's not, that's not a Christmas. That's not a Christmas thing. That's not a Christmas thing. <laughs> Instead of it being that's Donner the, the deer, it's Donner the, yeah. the, the deadly party. But, yeah. And like, there's so much to this particular story. So I will direct you to the best sources because they go really deep into it. I'm just going to kind of give you like the, the cliff notey versions. So it's going to be long, but not as long as, as I could have done a deep dive. So well, when she does that... a deep dive for Patreon, we will let you know though, because that'll yeah. be fun. And I'm sure I'm going to want to hear every detail. I have it's... a glutton for punishment. Oh, it's, it's, it's not great, yeah. but I'm going to take you guys back to the 1840s during the time of westward expansion and manifest destiny and then there's gold in, in, in the hills, their hills. And, and and the white man takes on. over everything <laughs> with our drugs and our alcohol and our what are Small those soil doves and our stds <laughs> yes let's go and we're off. So there is the Oregon Trail, which everybody remembers the video game where you die of dysentery and possibly Every drowning time. in a snake bite. <laughs> Every time. The trail was 
already seen as dangerous because 10% of the people who did set off en route or on this trail died en route, which is the reason why people characterize it as the longest graveyard. Wow, I so, cannot wait. Is that in the brochure? Like, I can't wait to go on this trail. You know, you know. You know. <laughs> That's the first thing on this front of the brochure is, is 10% of people didn't make it. <laughs> the idea behind the trail is that it usually took at least a six month time frame. So you had to really decide when am I going to leave because you could get stuck in the mountains with the snow. So to Fuck avoid that. that, to avoid the rainstorms, to avoid anything else, like you're going to hit something. But at the very least, you have to plan ahead. I'm sorry. So if these it's a particular six month trip. I don't even like a two hour plane ride. You want me to go six months? I know. Right? Six months. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'll chill here. You're fine. That's our party consists of 32 members of the Donner and Reed families, including George and his wife Tamson Donner, George's brother Jacob, James Reed and his wife Margaret, and of course, the slew of children. And there's a lot of them, and all of them are under 15 years old. So we're not getting much work out of any of them. They are just, some of them are infants, um, and some of them are just our tweens. It's kind of just... Nothing yeah. can go wrong. It's perfect. I mean, Can't no. Wait now, they wait. actually set off from Illinois, and they started their journey in May because they wanted to make sure, okay, like it's going to be hot in the summers, but at the very least we can get there before the tip of the snow. So they made it to Fort Bridger in July. Now, there are a lot of different forts along the trails because of the fact that so many people are on these trails. So you can get your supplies, you can kind of, you know, sit, sit down and rest for a few days or whatever you need. There are some, you know, possibly medical attention you can get. So... They get to Fort Bridger. And this is where we're going to introduce the biggest douchebag of the day Yay! for this story. <laughs> Thank you for labeling it correctly so I know we can fucking hate him right off the bat. That was fantastic. No notes. I <laughs> So Lansford Hastings was a self-proclaimed traveler. So whether he traveled often or whether he kind of dabbled in it as a hobby was unclear Um, but he says is not traveling (laughs) he says he's a traveler and he actually created a path along this trail and his path he called the hastings cut off because of course we're going to name it after ourselves oh yeah definitely and and he decided that listen if you guys take this trail you can shave off 300 miles to the original trail so it's a shortcut. It's going to get you there faster. It might be a little bit like rough in some patches, but it's going to be great. So has he actually followed this trail before? Or is this just something he looked on a map and went, that'll do? See, it's unknown, but I'm assuming he traveled it. But it's not well-traveled because it's new. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of those you're going to... It's like when you go hiking or when you're in the woods and you see like a, a path that you're like, oh, that's like a Robert Frost path less traveled type of yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't travel I in feel the like woods that's kind of have to. That, so that's why I'm like, kinda, this is so far outside of my like right. comfort zone in any way, shape, or form that I can't understand why anybody would do this. But okay. I, 
So Hastings sent riders out with letters to inform travelers on the path. Hey, listen, my cutoff is just ahead. I'm going to leave you guys notes as we go. I also am going to be waiting for you at another fort. And I'll help you help guide you through the whole thing. But it's going to be great. You should definitely consider. So it's it's kind of like he's campaigning for himself. Did he put up tolls? Is my... he going to get paid? <laughs> no. So what the that's fuck does the he thing. Care like, I don't... how people go? I agree. Okay, good. I think it was just the fame because he named it after himself. And if people can say, oh, well, he's got the great cutoff that shaves miles off my journey. That's great. So, I mean, podcasting I, wasn't invented yet. So I guess this is the best way to do it. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. So <laughs> now once they got to Fort Bridger and a lot of the group said, you know what? We kind of want to stick with the original path because it kind of seems. We don't have a death wish. Maybe great. But yeah, but maybe like maybe we don't, you know, want to do that. Now, a friend of James Reed happened to be at the fort as well. And he told him Hastings didn't even take his own cutoff, at least not with wagon. So he told him it's probably best not to take the path. Like, just don't do that to yourself, because chances are likely this guy, he thinks he's a fraud. Now, James Reed's friend was a traveler, traveled very often. So for him to say, you know, I don't trust this other guy. Don't take his path. The voice of reason. Yeah. We didn't listen well, to him, did we? Of course not. Why would we? We wouldn't have this on terror but, on the trail if he did it. So No. Yeah, no. That's fair. Yeah. So great. Also, a journalist named Edwin Bryant also arrived a week ahead of the Donner Party. Now, he was also concerned because he was like, you know, the terrain seems a little bit difficult. Now, maybe if you're traveling by yourself, not with a wagon, not with a group of freaking people, Especially it kids. might be a little bit different. Yes. So he left a note at Black's Fork, which it happened to be a trading post in the area. So he left a note for them with the trading post guy saying, hey, give this to them. Let them know, hey, this isn't I don't recommend this trail. Jim Bridger, who owned the trading post, knew if people took the cutoff, his business would be better. So he was for the cutoff. Why would his business be better? Oh, because people, people have would to buy travel more shit? that way. Okay. Maybe spend more money. Um, either way, he thought business business wise, it's better for me if people take the cutoff. So he told people who in passing all the time. Take the cutoff because it works. It's a smooth ride. It'll shorten the journey by 350 miles. So he said 350 instead of 300. Oh, look at his nose and, grow, eh? And it's closer to a water source. You'd avoid the Native American tribes because there was the Mexican-American war going on at the time. Great. What now, he doesn't know shit. that Native Americans were closer by because there's a fucking water source? Uh, I'm just yeah. saying. He doesn't know shit yeah, about this cutoff. So despite Reed's friend's advice, he decided to go with the cutoff. Later, though, they found out about the letter. Bryant left. They never got. That's so a federal offense. Where's the postmaster general? I have a complaint. Right. I have words. Agreed. So they never got it. So according to survivors of the party, because, again, spoiler, people are going to die. You know, I'm shocked that um, 
James Reed actually was one of the survivors. He actually says later on that he absolutely believes that the Trading Post guy concealed the letter and was like, eh, we're just going to throw this in the trash and let oh, them just take the cutoff. Because perhaps if he had gotten the letter from somebody who was traveling ahead of them, they would have thought a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So they decided, you know what, fine, we'll take the cutoff. Even though a good portion of the group and people were added to this group all the goddamn time, they were kind of like, I don't know about this. Now, when they had to choose basically a leader or a person in charge, they didn't choose Reed because he seemed a little narcissistic and he had kind of a harsh personality. So they chose George Donner, which hence the name Donner Party, because they're all not Donners, but they decided under his rule. Okay. Because he's like a more, he seemed like a better leader. July 31st, they left Black Fork and they took the Hastings cutoff. More people joined. So the the group got to 87 people. Lots of people, lots of wagons, lots of animals, lots of kids. Because the amount of kids grew and they still are under the age of 15. What the fuck? So, yeah. it's So not only did they find that the terrain was more difficult, they also had to basically create their own road. Because... They had to clear branches. They had to clear trees, rocks, because knowing that it's not a path widely taken, it's not established as like a road yet. So they had to basically make their own road as they went. So there were many times throughout the beginning, and this is where they should have went. I would like to turn around now. But they didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they didn't. But this is kind of where... There were many times they had to stop the wagons. The men had to get out and get rid of all the shit in the way. And then they took off again. But like what this happened often. to be alive. Right. Like you make your own road. Why, does, why did this <laughs> appeal own road. to anyone? What was wrong with <laughs> Illinois? Like why couldn't we just stay near Chicago? I mean, okay. Well, the mob wasn't even really a thing yet. Like they were just up and coming. <laughs> we could have chilled there for a lot longer. <laughs> Yeah, I get the gold thing. If everybody's going to get the gold, what are the chances that you're going to get? You know, I don't know. That's what I would think. So that's why I would be in Illinois. So Hastings stuck letters on the different areas, which I don't even know how those survived. I I just don't. How do I know to find it? It's like the first geocaching. Yeah. Oh my God, that's actually kind of cool. So he... He put them along the trail to help travelers as they go. He urged them to stop and wait for a little bit, and he would help guide them the rest of the way out of the of the, the cutoff. Because they got to a certain point, he said, listen, let me come back and help you. How does he know when they're there? Not only did he not come back to help them. He okay, died so we knew that was dysentery. No. Damn. No, he doesn't die he doesn't die dick he doesn't but he gave the two riders because two riders went ahead to go find him and say hey we got your letter help us out here because we've got 87 fucking people and a lot of fucking shit to carry so help us not only did he not come back with them the two riders he gave them a brief and vague direction on where to go and said listen the trail gets easier 
It doesn't get easier. <laughs> doesn't yeah. get Hold easier. Hold on. I got a bridge to sell you. Come over here. Mm-hmm. So not only is he a dipshit, but he is a dipshit who is perfect politician, in my opinion, because he advocated for his own cutoff made all the promises of I'm going to come back and help you. Check. And by the way, it gets easier. It doesn't get easier. Check. So, yep. Yeah. No. So August 20th, they reached the part in the mountains where they could see the great salt lakes, Ooh. but their food and supply was running low. Go fishing. Go figure. Yes. <gasps> now Hastings left another letter because we just love his letters. Imagine if they're he written said, in prose, like they have to figure out the riddle. <laughs> like, I should figure out my riddle. Yeah, like, here's my riddle three. There's, there's rough tra- a travel ahead. Um, And it was desert. It was dry. It was barren. There was heat. There was no wa- um water source. But Hastings said, it's going to be a little rough, but it's going to take you two days to get through there. It took them six. Okay. What the fuck? Well, there's 80-something people and how many fucking kids? So, of course, it's going to take right. them longer. Who can go to dinner and have right. dinner in an hour? People who don't have children. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's the best equation I can give you. You know, that is a pretty good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Because it's true. The fact also that they're their horses and their oxen were kind of like disappearing and then like they'd run off and then they'd have to go find them and they'd have to wrangle them. It was a fucking shit show. But according to Hastings, it was rough, but it's fine. You're going to get through it in two days. Okay. Liar. By September 26. Now they originally set off in May. Okay. They rejoined the original trail because this was supposed to be a cutoff to take you like, through they rejoined the original trail along the stream the cutoff added 125 miles to their journey suck my dick hastings i don't and like you delayed them by one month i hate you christine illinois because of this cut off the shortcut whatever Mm -hmm. the donner party was now the last people they were the last group heading to california which meant that if something were to happen there were no other groups coming up behind them so they were kind of on their own at this point unless they caught up to the other group which at this point probably not likely considering they were already delayed yeah this is kind of where the drama starts which is this is where the drama starts Okay, bye. Well, you have to you have to consider the people because if tensions are high and you're like, son of a bitch, that guy and that asshole, he fucked with us, I would be pissed and grumpy and crabby. Like there's a whole lot of things going on. So, I feel like a lot of people are already not happy. I mean, think about how uncomfortable you are already. Like just how just exactly. living in the 1840s was fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. I know you don't know what you don't know. 
But you gotta sit in a covered wagon. It's there's fucking yeah. rocks. Like heaven forbid these people have how many fucking kids? I bet the, all those women had hemorrhoids. Yeah. And they're sitting there fucking on this bumpy ass terrain. <laughs> it's hot <laughs> as fuck. There's not enough food. Mm-hmm. Who's crying? Who's hungry? Who's bored? I'd be throwing kids off and be like, figure it out yourself, Gremlin. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Fuck bye. You. <laughs> bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, it sucks. At the Beginning of October, an altercation actually occurred between members. So two of the wagon teams got tangled up somehow. It was Reed and another one of their travelers. So the two of them got into an argument, which turned a little physical. Oh, shit. So Reed ended up killing this man. (laughs) Oh, shit. After he beat his ox and also hit him and his wife. So, I don't like that. I kind of understand the, okay, I'm defending myself, I'm defending my wife, but he stabbed a man and killed him. So now we have a group of people who are extremely already, tensions are high, now they're like, what the fuck do we do with this asshole? Because we can't just pretend he didn't just kill somebody. And not so only the that, you decided... just took out one of the other able-bodied men. Exactly. 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 So the group decided... We're not going to, we're not going to kill him. It's not going to be an eye for an eye, but we are going to banish him from the group. So figure it out on your own. Yeah. What are you going to do? Okay. Go stand by that tree and count to a thousand. We're going to keep going. Don't follow us. Don't follow me. Don't do it. I said no. Like, don't take your blindfold off. Don't call 911. No. Like, how do you stop that? I, I agree. Um, but they basically were like, see ya. This motherfucker made it However, there before the rest of them, though, because he was on his own. <laughs> yeah, his, his, his family stayed with the group, which is kind of awkward because, like, dad's, but I get, you know, I don't know. So his family decided, they're like, we'll keep your family and we'll keep them safe, but you, you can't, you can't be here with us anymore. And he's like, okay, cool. So. Okay. We then meet. Stanton, who actually was a member of the group, but he rode ahead prior because he wanted to see and kind of stake out what was going on. He ended up coming back with two Native Americans from their tribe to help guide them along the way. Oh, wow. Wonderful. I love that. Beautiful. Were they nice to the Native Americans? Yes. Okay, good. I because they were like, hey, we're going to fucking help you because uh, we live here and you don't. So... Well, you know it hasn't always worked out for the native americans I, in history i'm just I, double checking i agree i agree so they stopped at lake Truckee in california Ooh. in october this is the lake that is going to be known as the donner lake um so they renamed it eventually to donner lake now snow had already begun it's october okay snow already began despite um, trying to get rid of supplies that they really didn't need and trying to kind of lighten things up, it was too deep for them to continue and it was too deep for them to go back. So they basically had to settle in. There were cabins, which was good. And so they were basically like, well, all right, we gotta, we basically have to have to sit this out. So they stayed in the cabins, they made some shelter and they were like, we gotta wait out the storm. So it's unfortunate. At this point, there are 81 members left. They traveled 2,400 miles 
And they only had a hundred miles left to go to get to their destination. That's good. Yeah. So some people, because this is kind of where they stopped, some people had said maybe if they had left a week earlier or didn't take the cutoff, they probably wouldn't have ran into the snow this big of a problem. But they did. So, So because they were unsure of anything, they were like, okay, now there's snow and whatever. They sent out a party of people December 16th. They were known as the Forlorn Party because basically it was a, we don't know. Yeah, exa- I see your face. It's a suicide it's, mission. It's, yeah, yeah, basically it was. Um, so Stanton was their leader and he did bring along the two Native Americans because their tribe wasn't that far away. So they he thought this would be good. Stanton became within weeks snowblind so do you know what that it's basically where your corneas get sunburned because of the white so you can't see what wait wait wait, right so like because the sun shines so bright on the snow like the reflection it like fucks with your corneas and it's white Mm-hmm. Like, is this like a permanent yeah. thing, or is this like once you get away from it's the a snow? Permanent thing. <gasps> oh yeah. no, I hate that. Oh my god, yeah. this poor. Wait, so because it's so bright and so white, it just damages your corneas. And yeah, oh, I hate so, that. Ah, does it hurt? I, I didn't, fucking hate it. I didn't realize what it was until I until I watched a couple of these these videos on this, and it is the idea of your corneas like getting sunburned to the point where it's it's not reversible and you are losing your sight. So I wonder and it's if just from seeing all the white if you just start to see black or if it's just always white. Like is it a different blind yeah. than the other blind? I don't that's that's interesting cuz I don't know. Okay. But you can't If there's like somebody who actually knows this, Kelsey, Kelsey, you need to tell me It'll be Kelsey. <laughs> I need your medical expertise. What do snow blind people not see? Do they see not see in white or do they not see in black? Thank you. Hmm. Please continue. Okay. So Stanton became snow blind, making him basically useless, but he is the leader of their group. So he urged the group, listen, you got to go on without me. I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. Now... When the rescue parties did come back that way, they did find Stanton's body because he did end up dying there because there was nothing else. The one with the green shoes or whatever, the green jacket. (laughs) Like it's like now a marker, a mile marker. Yeah. Members of the forlorn party were, it kind of just looked really bad. The supplies were really low. They started to get lost. They started to get confused. So one member, now this isn't the Donner party. They're back at the cabins. Okay. This is just the 17, now 16 people. One of the members says, you know what? Someone should volunteer to die so that we could eat them and they could feed the rest of us. Now, why didn't you just keep staying for that then? Why'd you leave it? Right. Like, somebody should have thought about that before we dropped off 180 pounds of bullshit. 
<laughs> the guy was coming with us anyway. I mean, like, why don't we just fucking wait for him to die? Because it was only coming was anyway. Coming. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. So Fair, proper planning, guys. Who am I? As much as this is, like, bizarre that someone went, hey, I have an idea. People in the group actually considered it to the point where they were like, well, maybe we could have a lottery. Or maybe we could have a duel. It's the worst lottery But most people... Most people were like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is wrong with you people? Like, let's just keep going. Like, what the fuck? Like, we're like, okay. However, as members of the forlorn group died because supplies were low, the winter and all that kind of stuff, the others would end up eating their remains. As you do. Loin pork, I hear, is very good that time of year. As you as you do. Um, what if they had like the, a sauce? You know, they made like a Merlot wine sauce, a little balsamic I, on there. I don't think they soul. had anything. They were just like stick them in a fire. Oh, just go. Oh my god. So the two Native Americans aiding the travelers were like, "This is fucked. We're leaving." Um, have you heard of the Wendigo? I, I like, was just gonna no, say the Wendigos are coming. They're like, "Fuck you!" Like, no, we do we're not shit. doing that. We're not this. doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. No. So. <laughs> However, they were like, we're, we're done. Goodbye. So as they were leaving, one of the members, last name Foster, shot the two of them. The Indians? And brought them back to eat them. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? They were so nice. This is why. This is why. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I told you something yeah. bad was going to happen to them. I told you it, so. It. I know you knew before I did, but I knew it. Yeah. I know. White people suck. Here's the best part. <laughs> um... A few days later, the rest of the party ended up stumbling upon the settlement that these two guys were a part of. (gasps) Oh my god, they all got killed. They didn't say anything about their... Oh no, they stayed back with the other people. They're helping them out because we don't know how to live in this terrain. So they're back there. They're making making corn. They're growing (laughs) corn and shit in the the snow. It's not us. No, we didn't kill them at all. Mm -mm, We didn't eat them. So they did help them but they were terrified of them at first because they must have looked ridiculous like these like people coming out of the woods that looked completely like starved and like all they they ran away from them and then they're like holy shit these are people like okay all right so they helped them this journey for this party took 33 days for them to get there i would never have left why would you leave? Illinois, man. Illinois. Sounds like a great Going. place to live. Very pretty. Cosmopolitan. Yeah. I feel they have corn. You know? I think there's a couple farms. Like, isn't it, like, really nice there? Like... Yeah. Other than, I like, mean, the really I'd rather stay the there. Winter. The wind. But you know what? Like, you're probably equipped for it at that point. Like, it's better than this shit where you're like, oops. Oh, me and you definitely would have stayed. We'd be like, bye. Leave more room for us. I'll take See ya. Thanks. I'll take over your farm. I love your land. Bye. Like, who needs to I'll get some more cows. Files? I'll just, this is how I get my shit. Go. Yeah. Yeah, you should definitely go to California. You would definitely break. Yep. You're definitely going to become a millionaire with that gold. Hit the fucking Hollywood sign. You got this, boo. Go. Bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. Yeah. We'd be sitting there with our margaritas going, yeah, idiots. Suckers. Idiots. <laughs> So the Donner Party 
going back to them, were not doing very well either. Their supplies were getting really low. Mm -hmm. Now, you were right. Mr. Reed did arrive to Rancho Johnson before the rest of the group. And he was asking for help to rescue his family because they were still on the trail. Yeah, why aren't they here if I made it here? Well, a lot of the reason why rescue parties weren't sent out as much because there was the first rescue party that went out. Mm -hmm. But they kind of didn't do it immediately because of the fact that the Mexican-American War was going on. A lot of their resources were there. So it just bad timing. The first rescue party did get to the Donners Ooh, um, February 18th. So they've been there for a couple months. Yeah, it's bad. And we left in May. We left uh-huh. in May. And now we're in February. Yep. I hate this. And we're stuck. Like, we're stuck to the point where a rescue party has to come. Now, the rescue party can't take everybody because they don't have the amount of, you know, space. But what was crazy was they arrived and the members were looking just as haggardly as the other ones. One woman actually came out because they were all kind of in the tree area and people were like the fuck and she's like are you men from california or do you come from heaven so you're like oh imagine the leg hair happening right probably braid it at that point 13 people had died at this point there and they had attempted to bury them in the snow the rescue party did end up taking 23 people back with them okay march 1st a second relief party came which was led by james reed 17 people were evacuated with resources however even though they were taken it didn't mean that they didn't die along the way there were some deaths along the way back there's still 100 miles yeah like it's still they're not done it's not like they're getting exactly exactly there was a third rescue party that came shortly after, and this was re- led by Foster, the man who killed the two Native American helpers that were like, hey, we're fuck you, and then got shot in the back. He actually came back for his son because his son was with the party. Now, he found out. His son got eaten. That- no! No, I got it! I got it! I got it! Holy shit! No way. No fucking way. No fucking way. How does it feel now that you ate those two Native Americans, bitch? Karma <laughs> fucking got you. Suck on that karma. <laughs> that is the biggest karma that, that you is could possibly almost get. In- this is as instant as you can get in the 1840s. Honestly, yeah. this is the instant Agreed. karma of the 1840s. <laughs> Told you not to kill the Indians. So, Told you leave there was on. a member named Eddie Kennisberg who had eaten the remains of his son. Now, his son had died, but he was like, yeah, I, I ate him. <laughs> I never would have. I never would. I'd be like, who's that? Who? who? You had a son? Who are you? Who are you? you like, you oh, I don't know. I don't know who you he, are. I don't know. I don't, I'm I don't delirious. Know. <laughs> I'm snow blind. I can't even see you. Yeah. So, Kennisberg is actually also going to be seen as a little bit of suspicious as we go into the next step because the last piece is the last attempt of rescue now there weren't a lot of people left behind there were like five to seven people again it depended on the source 
But the last attempt to return for the remaining people was April 10th. And they went as a salvage mission. They were like, there's no way anything is left. So we're going to just, when we can, get back there. On their return, they found something they weren't probably looking for. So everyone with the exception of Kennisberg, the guy who ate the guy's son, was dead. Huh, how about that? Yeah. It appeared... One woman had died days after the re- the last release party left. George Donner had died also along with his wife. But the scene kind of looked a little off because of how things were When you shown. find a femur over here and a pinky over there and some clothing over here. You know, you're not that far off. <laughs> so Fuck you. Am I really like on top of this right now? I like I've heard of the Donner Party. I've never actually studied it. I really haven't listened to anything. Yeah. I'm just honestly trying to think of the most grotesque thing and just say it in a funny yeah. voice. And it's and I cannot honestly, believe I'm like hitting this out of the park right now. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm ruining see, your the, story. Like I'm not trying no, to. No, the the whole thing is like people immediately when they think of the Donner Party, they think of like cannibalism because they think everyone started eating each other. But it was only a select group of people who went to that extreme. And this guy seemed a little too into it, as the rest of them were kind of like, um, "Dude, Jeffrey." So what Donner they found is so close to Donner. Yeah. Holy shit! I just thought uh-huh. of that. What right? if that it's... guy was like the first carnate? Like, what if Jeffrey Dahmer is incarnate yeah. of this dude? I'm getting a little too metaphysical for my own good, but Ugh. think about it. Yeah, it's it's not it's not honestly good. I don't like it. Kennisberg in his cabin there was a pot full of human flesh, pots of blood, <laughs> a frozen and untouched ox. Why wouldn't we eat the ox and, first, guys? Why wouldn't we eat the fox and George Donner's head had been split open to reveal brain matter. So it's like he just kind of went like like a Jeffrey Dahmer. So that's why when you said that, I went, you know, I could believe that that could be a reincarnate of this guy. I hate Um, everything you just... I was joking, but I hate everything (laughs) you just fucking said. Those words that came out of your mouth hole were terrible. I don't like it. So they also found some of Donner's the Donner Party stuff. So like George Donner's pistols, some jewelry and $250 in gold were in his cabin. He did say, I did take this because Tamson Donner, who died only a couple days prior, had said, listen, can you, if you make it, can you bring this to my kids? Oh, okay. Is this really true? (laughs) Did we get it in writing? And that's and that's the problem is that it's so like nobody knows because he was the only survivor. Now Tamson is dead, but the surviving Donner children, because not all of them survived either, along with a lot of other people, including authorities during the time, believed Kennisberg had killed Tamson after George's death and planned to steal from them. That checks. There's actually a lot more. There's this channel on YouTube called The Lore Lounge. And he does 
hour long deep dives on all kinds of stuff. He went into this on a whole, like he went into um, Kennisburg later on and how like the authorities did try to look like try to convict him of her murder and stuff like that because oh they, it, it's just they didn't have a lot of evidence and yeah. stuff but the kids did believe like no 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 my mom was definitely alive he killed her and he was going to steal her our stuff oh, like that's what it was so after the stories of the donner party our friend hastings received death threats for his role in it good because i hope someone acted word out doesn't it. travel Word doesn't travel fast, but it does travel. So people were like, the fuck did you do? Yeah. So when he was confronted by another migrant worker who had made it to California before the Donner Party, they recalled that Hastings said, of course, he could say nothing, but that he was very sorry and that he meant well. Wow. I'm so glad that you're I'm very sorry. Helped. Especially when people helped. came and asked you, hey, you told me right here in paper you were going to come help me. Where the fuck are you, bitch? And you didn't. Right. Yeah, no, because you were smart. Of the 87 who traveled in the Donner Party, 48 survived. Oh, my God. Yeah. So nowadays, Donner Lake is a tourist attraction. There's a statue dedicated to all of the members of the Donner Party and... As of 2003, it receives 200,000 visitors. And it is beautiful. Like, there are a lot of pictures I put on there that it's got a really nice view. So that is... That's our tale. Holy terror. shit. <laughs> I'll clap for you, Jen. That's, that's it. Again, I hate, I hate it, but you did a it's really disgusting. good job. That was very succinct. Um, my stomach dropped it, it more makes than sense. once. It makes sense that I did the Windigo too, because I was like getting Windigo vibes. Yes, here, I'm it, so glad the that you vibes. did that already, because now that we know that, it kind of really does speak to why the yeah. Native Americans were trying to be like, no, we don't want to be part of this, and we're going to leave them. It makes sense because, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I hate it. You did a really good job, but I hate it. But <laughs> okay, so. We're going to get into uh, my story now. Uh, although my story does not cover <laughs> cannibalism, people do get eaten. Here is your trigger warning. Oh. Um, oh. This, like, <laughs> if you have a, there is a part of this story, I left it for the end, where, you know, you can stop listening, especially because I'm the second person, like, you can stop. I kind of set it up this way. If it gets to be too much, you can definitely, like, kind of get off and be like, still know what happened. Does that make sense? Because I go into great detail. That makes sense. So, um. Oh, looking forward to this. this <laughs> you will regret saying that. So, I am covering <laughs> Timothy Treadwell. He was born Timothy William Dexter, April 29th, 1957. He was born in... Manola, Long Island, and he was one of five children. He loved animals. He even kept a squirrel as a pet and named it Willie. He attended Bradley Aww. University on a swimming and diving scholarship. And then there were times where he kind of claimed to be a British orphan or that he claimed he was from Australia. Our friend Tim had a little bit of a problem with alcohol and drugs. 
And his father said he really started spiraling when he lost the role of Woody Boyd in Cheers to Woody Harrelson. So he had been auditioning for this role. He oh. was in a lot of like commercials and stuff like that. And he wanted to break into Hollywood. And he he's like, I got this role. I got it in the bag. And then Woody Harrelson got the role. And he kind of hit his limit. Like that was That's his final. Bad. Yeah, he basically OD'd and kind of didn't know what he was doing. In 87, he legally changed his surname from Dexter to Treadwell. That was kind of with the Hollywood thing, too, because Timothy Treadwell kind of goes better than Timothy Dexter, I guess. And Treadwell (laughs) is a name. It's his mother's uh, maiden name. So he didn't, like, change his name legally, but he just went by that name from then on. Treadwell, at one point, pushed by one of his friends, went to Alaska in, like, the late 80s. And... He found the bears, the big brown bears. We call them grizzly bears. They're actually brown bears. He absolutely fell in love with these bears. This was his life. At one point, I I know I say it somewhere, but I'm going to say it right now. He actually attributes him surviving and coming out of his depression and his drug abuse and his alcohol abuse to the bears. They are the reason he lived, basically. So now just a little bit about grizzly bears. In Katmai National Park, which is in Alaska... There is about 3,000 of the total 35,000 Alaskan grizzly bears, okay? Most of which weigh in excess of 1,000 pounds. They actually have a cute contest every year where as, like, fall comes, they're getting ready for hibernation, so they're eating everything that they possibly can. And I don't know how they track it. I don't know how they weigh the bears, but they have, like, a competition to see who can weigh the most. And right before most. hibernation, like, on their website, they're like, look at this bear. He's, like, a million pounds. Woo! This is our winner! And they get, like, really excited. And this is, like, one of their I love things that. about the bears. Yeah, this is how they keep people interested in the That's bears. It's cute. Tim wrote that after his first encounter with a wild bear, he knew he found his calling in life and that now his destiny was entwined with these bears. Treadwell studied the bears during the summer seasons for 13 years. He said he would be there alone. Sometimes he would bring his significant other on trips or parts of the trips. But his mission was to protect these bears. It began in the late 80s, like I said before, when he survived his near-fatal heroin overdose. He spent the early part of each camping season on the Big Green, an open area of the bear grass in Hallow Bay at Katmai, on the Katmai Coast. I know there's a lot of fucking words in a lot of places. Just know Katmai Park is like this huge thing. You have to take a plane to get there. Like a lot of places in Alaska, you can't take a yeah. boat because the waters are too rough and you can't drive there because there's no way to get there. So like people have planes over there like we have cars. So like it is not unnormal to take a plane as a taxi to this like island which is Katmai National Park okay so he called Hallow Bay the grizzly sanctuary so this part of the season all the bears would be here and he would kind of follow the bears through their migratory pattern to where they would get to where the salmon runs were where they would fatten up for the winter. So he really would stay with them. And he had favorite bears. I know I'm going like off topic here. But like he had his favorite bears. He named them all. He talked to them like they were just children, his friends. Like he had relation in his mind, he had relationships with these bears. He had put a lot of work into working with the bears and having them know him and this, that, and the other. 
So that was the first part of the summer. During the latter part of the summer, he would move to Kathalie Bay and camp in the area where there's like really crazy thick brush that he called the grizzly maze. That's where he would have the best chances of meeting the wild bears because that's where all of the bear trails kind of intersected. Treadwell recorded almost 100 hours of video footage and produced a large collection of still photos. So he was definitely studying these bears. By 2001, Tim had become one of the leading names in grizzly bear activism. He traveled throughout the U.S. to educate school children about bears in general, especially the grizzlies. He appeared on the Discovery Channel, The Late Show with David Letterman, and Dateline NBC to discuss his experiences and make sure he was getting out the good oh. word about the bears. He co-wrote Among Grizzlies, Living with Wild Bears in Alaska with Jewel Pavlock. Pavlovac? Palovac, Palovac, Jewel Palovac, who was one of his ex-girlfriends. And they actually founded a nonprofit called Grizzly People. And it's an organization devoted to protecting bears and preserving their wilderness habitat. And that is still an ongoing nonprofit. So if you want to learn more, you can go there at any time. Okay. I think I remember this guy. I do remember him he coming He kind of looks like a surfer and... boy. Yeah, the blonde, okay. like floppy okay. hair. I do remember. Little I guess name wise, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, no, that may okay. He was on the shows like Jack Hanna used to go on like all the shows and be like, look at my snake yeah. and look at this koala bear and here's yes. a dog. Like, so he would do that, but he would talk about the bears. So almost from the start, the National Park Service didn't love him. They liked what he was doing for the bears. They did not love him. So. Tribal was known to get extremely close to the bears that he observed. He would make camps right next to their paths. He was seen in his footage touching, petting, and playing with the cubs. He claimed he was always careful with the bears. He had developed a sense of mutual trust and respect, like we were talking about before, and he named the bears. He consistently saw specific bears every summer like he would go and he had like a list of okay i saw this bear i saw this bear i saw this bear like he made sure to check in on every bear every year like i'm telling you these were like his friends at one point according to a file on treadwell that the national park service kept yeah he had a fucking file rangers reported that he had at least six violations from 94 to 2003 including um violations of guiding tourists without a license so again, this is Alaska. <laughs> this is not like a normal national park. You know, right. it's kind of like when you go to Yosemite and they say, don't touch the buffalo, leave the buffalo alone. Like each park has their own dangers that you need to be aware of. And in Alaska, right. it's even worse. So the rangers are like, no, we have put in rules. Like you need to take special classes. You need to be certified. You need to be licensed. And this guy was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll bring my friends. I'll bring my girlfriend. I'll show them all about Alaska because I know the bears. Yeah, they didn't love that. He would camp in areas longer than the park service's seven-day limit. So they actually have a limit for where you can stay because the bears <laughs> start to hunt you in a sense. Like they know where you're staying yeah. and they're like, oh, you can be on my food chain, you know? I mean, that makes sense. Jesus. He would have a, bro a prohibited generator because, you know, he was chilling in the same spot. So why wouldn't he have a generator to keep his shit going? He had improper food storage. So, you know, you need bear boxes, like these big metal boxes to hide all your food in that the bears can't get in. And you need to keep them far enough away from your site that the bears don't come across you and assume that you're then food. Wildlife harassment, again, petting and trying to get really close to the cubs did, and stuff. Did he, like, actually think, like, they weren't going to hurt him? Because 
these are wild No, they were animals. his friends. Like, even... They were his friends. He had built relationships much... He thought of it much like your dog or your cat. Like, yes, they are wild animals. And he respected... He honestly did respect their power and their might and right. them as wild animals. He understood that. But he felt, because he had built these connections with them... That they wouldn't... It wouldn't be a problem for him. Okay. Okay. Because, like, he's really making all of these terrible safety decisions that I'm like, why would you do that? You're like, why? Yeah. Like, I mean, he would unless actually... Unless you think it's not going to be made. If people... Like, his last issue with the National Park Service was he was having conflicts with visitors and the guides that the visitors brought because the guides would be like, dude, don't do what this guy's doing. And this guy would be like, oh, no, it's cool. You know, we're friends. Me and the bears are friends. It's cool. And then people would be like, leave the fucking bears alone. Like, what? Like, you were like, this is yeah. not the smartest thing. And he'd be like, fuck you. No. You don't know what. Like, he got into, like, physical brawls with people at times over these things. I mean, I mean, do you, but. Yeah. I... <laughs> he actually refused to install electric fences around his camp or carry bear spray as a deterrent. There was one time. That's it's, good. It's a little further down, but I'll talk about it now. Where he had a can of pepper spray. And a bear, like, did try to attack him, and he used it on the bear. And he felt such guilt and such remorse for the perceived, like, pain and agony that this bear was going through that he refused to ever carry it again. He just figured, I will learn how to better communicate with the bears so we don't have these issues anymore. This is not like stepping on your pet accidentally when you're feeding them. Like this, this is a you're saving your own this life. Is like this is how you a thousand pound. Mm -hmm. Like grizzly bears are are very deadly. Like you, there's not a lot like you can do. No. So holy shit. Yeah. For him to be like, I feel bad. No, no, no. When your pet, you step on them by accident. Yeah. You feel bad. Yeah. But I mean, this is. <laughs> I mean, I see both sides of this one. Like. He's a conservationist. He is a naturalist. This is now his life's right. work is to protect these bears and show humans or other people who think like, let's say you do in this situation. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but take people who no, think I know like what you're you saying. and say, oh my God, these are dangerous, deadly creatures. Like, yeah. you're not the one saying they're going to go shoot them all. But there are people out in this world who are like, well, if they're going to kill us, let's yes. hunt them first. Mm -hmm. And he was trying so hard to change that narrative in everyone's mind. That he I, had I to that. go to the other extreme. I hate that he did it this way, but that's kind of the best way to explain the right. yin and yang. If you have a right and a left person, he was as far right as he could be as could the left person be. Like, he needed to be this right. extreme to show people the bears aren't going to attack you. And it's kind of true. Like, if you study the grizzly bears the way he did, and I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I did do a ton of research for this case. Like, the grizzly bears aren't looking to eat you. They really want to be left the fuck alone. The only time right. they're going to attack you is if you get in their shit. Like, you're getting in the way of them and their cubs. You're getting in the way of them and their food, especially when they have to fatten up for the winter and food is starting to become scarce. <laughs> One of his naturalist <laughs> friends, Charlie Russell, who had actually studied bears, raised them, and lived with them in Russia... Advise Treadwell, you need to carry your pepper spray. You need to use the electric fences. Like, this is not the park service being dicks to you. You need to follow right. these precautions because, yes, okay, you think you have this relationship. But like you said, Jen, these are still wild creatures with specific instincts. Yes. And if you step on their shit, 
they are going to attack you even if you talk to them like they are a child. Like, they do not care. Right. They can know you. They, they can care. accept you as part of the landscape. But if it's between you and that fish, they're going to fucking one swipe and it would undo every single thing that you have tried to do. Yeah. And he was still like, fuck it. So in 1997, in his book that we talked about before, that's where he tells the story about how he squirted the bear with the bear repellent and he was heartbroken that he hurt the bear. Deb Leggett, who was the superintendent of Katmai National Park, was so concerned about how Treadwell was treating the bears and treating the park that she met him for coffee in Anchorage a few years before his death. And quote, she says, I told him that if we had any more violations from him, we would petition the U.S. magistrate to ban him from all national parks, specifically Katmai National Park. Legit went on to say she applauded the fact that Treadwell was winning fans for the Bears and was being more careful to warn people not to attempt what he was doing. But she and other park officials were afraid that, like I said, one swipe from a paw would undo all of that and result in a frenzy of stories for people fearing the Bears and people eating grizzlies and people would start going out to kill them on purpose. Right. So... Uh, okay uh, we are, we're getting into the bad part yeah. I will tell you when we're at the really bad part but we're getting to it in the 85 year history of Katmai National Park up to this point this is the first known incident of a person being killed by a bear 85 years in October of 2003 <sighs> this is later than Treadwell usually left so they returned to Kodiak on September 26th, they were putting their gear away for until next year. And then they had an issue with their airplane ticket. So they were like, fuck it. We'll just stay longer. We'll stay for one more week. They hadn't found this one specific bear, this one female bear that they wanted to see anyway. And they were like, you know what? We can't get the price and the ticket we need. They got into a fight with the airline and they're like, fuck it. We'll stay one more week. Then our return flight will be cheaper and we can go home and everything will be fine. So they go back to the park, they go back to their camp, they get their little airplane tracksy over to Katmai again, and they put their thing. So it's Treadwell and his girlfriend, Amy Huguenard. So they're at Katmai National Park, which is one of, which is on the Alaskan Peninsula across from Shilaikov Strait from Kodiak Island. Don't know geography, don't know where that is. I'm just trying to explain it so somebody who does know knows exactly where we're talking about. Amy was 37. She lived in Malibu. She was a physician's assistant. Her and Tim had been dating for about three years, and Amy would join Tim in the field at some point over the summer, once, twice, three times, whatever. She was petrified of the bears. She didn't really want to be around them. Yeah. She loved Tim. She loved what he was doing. She wanted to help him and be there to support him, but she's like, yeah, you can do your shit with the bear over there. I'm going to chill over here. I'll hold your camera. I'll take your picture. You know, I'll do that, right. but I don't want to be by them. There are plenty of pictures with her where there are bears in the, in the area and she's like leaning away or she's like, mm, like with that nervous smile. Like you can just tell right. she is so uncomfortable. Um, and her final journal entries indicate that she wanted to get out of Katmai. She didn't want to be there at all. Tim also wrote in his diary that Amy believes he's hell-bent on destruction, that this will be her last season in Alaska with him. She's leaving him for good and that she was looking forward to starting her new job and she was desperate to return to California. So, like, they were not okay. They were not okay. She yeah. didn't like how 
he was getting with the bears because every year he'd get more and more like throw caution to the wind like he thought every year they were building these relationships so i i see that i see her side i mean i get it i get it and i'm sure dating someone with this career path that's not the right word but you know with this as his job and this is his life I mean, that alone must be difficult. I mean, she's from Malibu. She's a physician's assistant. Like, I'm sure she likes nature, but not to the point where she wants to spend four months out in nature in Alaska every fucking summer. Like, she's probably not on the same level as him. It seems that way. Yeah. So they go back to Katmai. They set up their tent. Um, Treadwell set it up right by the salmon stream where the bears commonly feed in the autumn. It's called the grizzly maze again. Nope. And this is, again, the time of year. They're there later than they normally are. So now the bears are getting more aggressive because food is starting to become scarce and everybody's yeah. trying to get fat for the winter. And they're right near the goddamn stream. Exactly. So that's, that's great. That's great. That's great. So the bears Good. had definitely been used to him being there during the summer. But now because, you know, it's the end of the season, there are different bears coming in that Tim didn't know. Oh. Some of the last footage taken of Tim hours before his death includes a video of a bear diving into a river, repeatedly trying to get a dead piece of salmon. Treadwell mentions in the footage that he did not feel entirely comfortable around this particular bear. It's speculated that this is the bear that kills him. So now we're going to jump to the next day, October 5th, 2003. Between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m., Tim and Amy make a satellite call to Jewel Palavac. Um, There was no problems. They both seemed to be in good spirits. I guess whatever fighting they had was over with. They were done. You know, they were like, okay, we're going home. We're in good spirits. You know, da, da, da. They did that. Then they called Willie Fully. Will Fully. Willie Fully. Will Fully. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Well, he was the (laughs) pilot for their little taxi. He was a friend of theirs. And he was their pilot. So they called him from the satellite phone. I was like, okay, confirming you're picking us up tomorrow at this time. We'll be on the beach, blah, blah, blah. And again, nothing was said about having problems with the bears. October 6th. Will arrives in Kafala Bay at 2 p.m. to pick up Tim and Amy like they discussed. He lands the plane at the bay and yells to their site. Because, you know, it's, like, up a hill, but, like, you can see the top of the... You can see, like, some of their shit from where he is. Um, okay. <clears throat> and he actually thought he saw Tim shaking a tarp up on the up on the thing. And it was windy. You know, there had been a storm the night before. Right. So he's, like, yelling. He's, like, maybe they can't hear me. So he starts making his way up to their campsite thinking, okay, I'll help them pack up their last little bit. I'll help them carry it down. Something must have happened. I'm going to go up and help them. <laughs> About three quarters of the way up, he starts to think, it's a, it's a little too quiet. Why can't I hear them talking? Why don't I hear them packing? And he didn't understand why him yelling, Tim and Amy weren't answering him because he's getting closer to them. They should hear him by now. And then he said something just didn't feel right. Something seemed strange, hollering with no answer. Okay. Well, I like can't catch my breath right now. I'm like, it's bad. I know exactly what's happening. I don't <laughs> Willie turned around. And made his way back to the plane and took off. As he's walking back, and he's in a hurry. He's fucking running. He's like, nope, don't like this. I got to get out. Nope. mm -mm." So he spots a pretty nasty looking bear that had its head down, following him slowly down the trail. It was the meanest looking thing. Willie then viewed the sight from the air. 
and took in the whole scene. He then called in the situation to park rangers, park officials, fish and game, and the Alaskan state troopers via his radio. Now, I don't know if he called all of them individually or if he called one and it started the daisy chain. But And then they did the train. Yeah, but he reported that he found a bear sitting on human remains. He started using the plane to try and run off the bear. He swooped the site 15 to 20 times. It was not working. He sees what appears to be the same bear that was following him feeding on a human ribcage. After each time he flies over, the bear wasn't leaving. He just started eating faster. So by 4.30, a group has been put together, you know, between all of these officials and they start making their way to the beach. They ask Willie, you know, can you stick around the area? Maybe go land on the other side of the island. We'll meet up with you. We need to, you know, get a debriefing and then we're going to go in. So he's like, absolutely. All these people come. And as the group group made its way back to where Will had originally parked the plane, like the original spot where he was going up the hill, you know, it's not, it's not a big beach. You can't park everything. It's not Normandy. You know, it's like this tiny beach. You can fit like a plane, maybe a boat if you can get the boat there. So now they have to right. get the plane there and they have to wait for the other people to get there. And they're all kind of congregating. And as they're waiting, one of the people see a bear. And the bear was tagged 141, moving towards them about 20 feet away. So this bear was so stealthy, it got within 20 feet of this large group of officials. It was, it was trying to protect the campsite. But all the men began yelling and screaming, trying to deter the bear, make the bear go off. Unfortunately, it kept coming and they had to put the bear down. An on-site autopsy, necrosy, necrosy. So that's where you do an autopsy on an animal. Um, For bear, 141 revealed human body parts such as fingers and limbs and flesh. Tim and Amy's mangled remains were discovered upon investigation. Treadwell's disfigured head, partial spine, right forearm, and hand with his wrist watch still on were recovered a short distance from the camp. In front of the main tent was a large mound of mud, grass, and sticks, five feet long, four foot wide, and three foot high. And Amy's arm was found coming out of the mound. Whew! Okay, so next to this pile is actually like in the tent. So the tent was collapsed, but in the tent, their shoes were lined up perfectly. Oh. Yeah. So food uh, was found in the camp, lot. secured in four to five metal bear-proof canisters. And there were a few open snack foods found untouched inside the sleeping tent. Both Tim and Amy's shoes were also found still neatly placed at the entrance to the main tent. A second adolescent bear they figured was about three years old also had to be killed a short time later when it was charging park rangers trying to consume like the pieces that were left over that the older bear had left around. Unfortunately, they weren't able to necropsy that bear because other bears got to it and ate it before they could, you know, do it. Four garbage bags containing human remains were removed and flown out by helicopter. A video camera was recovered from the site. The camera was recording during the attack. During the attack, however, the cap was on, so only audio was captured. So it's basically a six-minute tape that recorded only the voices and cries as Tim was mauled to death. So the six minutes of audio has not been released, but there is a transcript of it. The tape itself, um, Jewel has it. 
She has never listened to it. She never will listen to it. Um, they actually. I don't think I would either. They made a documentary called Grizzly Man. It came out in the 2000s. It was a huge documentary. Okay, movie, yeah, yeah. Can and all that. But um, she allowed the director of that to listen to it. And after two and a half minutes, he was like, can you shut it off? And he's like, please don't ever listen to that. He's like, please, I beg of you, don't ever listen to it. Oh. If you go on YouTube, there are YouTube, TikTok, all that. There are plenty of people who are like, we have the lost audio footage of Tim Treadwell and da 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 da. And because of the transcript that has been made and published, it is relatively easy to reenact what's going on. Um, I do have the transcript oh. here that okay. I'm going to give you the option if you would like me to read it or not. I mean, yeah, just just fuck it. We're we're here. We're, we're here. Well, this is why Let's I was just... like, I think maybe I should do a different case and put this on Patreon. But we're here now. So, okay. We're here. It's fucked. We're fine. Yeah. Sorry. So here we go. <laughs> this is the part. If you want to end listening now, absolutely fine. I will take one for the team on our stats and all that. Please, if you're uncomfortable, stop listening now. Okay. The first sounds from the tape are from Amy and asked if the bear is still out there. Apparently either Tim had asked Amy to turn the camera on or Amy just turned it on at a reflex. At any rate, the attack was in progress when the camera gets turned on. The next oh, voice Jesus. The next voice is from Timothy as he screams, Get out here. I'm getting killed out here. Tim was wearing a remote microphone on his coveralls. The sound of a tent zipper is then heard and the tent flaps open. Amy is heard screaming over the background sounds of rain hitting the tent, the wind, and other storm sounds all mixed in with the bear and Tim fighting. Seeing Tim on the ground struggling with his head in the bear's mouth, Amy yells for him to play dead. Seconds pass before Amy yells again to play dead. Now this is just kind of an off. Bears often attack or defend themselves by first going for the head in an attempt to take out the opponent's weapon, the face, mouth, and head. Bear number 141 had worn broken canines and was unable to make use of this tactic, along with the fact that the human head is just too large to fit directly into a bear's mouth, often ripping off and tearing the scalp, ears, and face of its victim. Not surprisingly, with Amy yelling and screaming nearby, this seems to work and the bear breaks off his attack. Because this was an older bear who had become conditioned when dealing with younger, stronger, more dominant bears by moving away from the food it had just obtained after being challenged and was probably startled by a second animal, Amy. Hmm. Okay. So a short conversation ensues as Amy and Tim try to determine if the bear is really gone. Being trained as a physician's assistant, it is believed that Amy made her way to Tim. And from the sounds caught on the tape, the bear returns, forcing Amy to back off again. Tim then is clearly heard screaming that playing dead isn't working and begs her to hit the bear. The sound of rain hitting the tent along with wind muffles the sounds at this point. However, Amy is clearly heard yelling fight back and she is screaming stop, go away or possibly run away. Then the sound of a frying pan is used to beat the top of the bear's head and the sound of Tim moaning. It is believed that at this point in the attack, the bear let go of Tim's head, which is which the bear had in his mouth and grabbed him somewhere on the upper leg area. The sound of Amy screaming very loudly as Tim is clearly heard over the sounds of the storm saying, Amy, get away, get away, go away. 
Tim knew he was going to die at this point and wanted to save Amy from the same fate. Amy did not go away. Unlike what is portrayed in the movies, the bear is nearly silent. Yeah. Only low growls and periodic grunts are heard, which only adds to the horror of the scene. Sounds of the bear dragging Tim off and the fading sounds of his scream indicate that Tim is being pulled and dragged into the brush and away from camp. As the tape comes to an aim and the sounds of Amy's high-pitched screams rise to a new level, much like what is described as the sound of a predator call used by humans to produce the distress calls of a small wounded animal, which only attracts bears. Biologist Larry Van Dale for the Alaskan Department of Fishing Game theorizes that Amy's screams may have prompted the bear to return and kill her. We can only envision the horror of what Amy had witnessed and heard, hysterical and paralyzed with fear, standing just outside the tent until the bear returned and attacked her. I don't like it. I don't like it either. So the older, the older, larger bear that killed Tim and Amy had an ear tagged in 1990 after the Valdez, Alaska oil spill as part of the larger research project and the number 141 tattooed on the inside of its upper lip. At the time of necropsy, nailed it three days after tim and amy were killed bear number 141 was reported to be scrawny but healthy a thousand pound 28 year old male that was probably looking to fatten up for winter with broken canine teeth and others worn down to the gums right at the end of the three month long salmon spawn which would indicate that this bear was no longer able to feed on natural food items as efficiently as well as in competition with other younger, stronger, more dominant bears for what little food remained. And we know from past experience that an older bear, no longer able to feed on natural foods, will make use of garbage and often raid camps and cabins if it has any food items available Mm -hmm. to it in the past. In spite of his criticism of Treadwell, Charlie Russell, we talked about before, praised him for his devotion to the bears and his ability to remain alive for so long. He defended him against people who criticized his work, writing, quote, if Timothy had spent those 13 years killing bears and guiding others to do the same, eventually being killed by one, he would have been remembered in Alaska with great admiration. According to the organization Treadwell founded Grizzly People, five bears have been poached in the year following his death, while none have been poached while he was present in Katmai. According to court records, as reported in the Anchorage Daily News, though, the guilty parties had been charged with poaching wildlife along Funnel Creek in the preserve, an area open to hunting that borders the National Park. So unfortunately, like the National Park Service lady said at the beginning, you know, one wrong move from you is going to change how people look at these bears. And unfortunately, she was absolutely right. And that is the story... Of Grizzly Man Timothy Treadwell. I mean, I I liked I liked how you told the story. I don't like the story. <laughs> okay, kids, what have we learned? It, it's because um, <laughs> I've learned so much. First, I'm glad you did. Chill in Illinois <laughs> because there was no airplane and dysentery is not fun. And fuck fuck that. that. Two. Grizzly bears are super cute on YouTube, and they can stay there. Thank you. I'm good. I, I actually learned a lot more about the the older grizzly bears from your story, which I appreciate. But I know 
that they are terrifying and that anybody that's why I see what you're saying where he was like trying to bring awareness but it's like that's still your heart was in the right place but like, the way you were doing it was absolutely terrible like, yes your intentions because it's kind of like there's always yeah there's always like refuge at refuge ref places <laughs> and sanctuaries sanctuaries that's a good one <laughs> for wild animals that like people are able to protect them but not they're not gonna like sleep or next interact to them. with them like like look in africa especially during that all time fucking, like lions on the preserves like cool stay over there we'll protect this area so nothing comes to kill you same thing with like the rhinos and the elephants for their tusks <laughs> in there yeah you know, hey fucking live your life out there we will protect around you but we're not coming anywhere near you bitches like you live your life we're just gonna yeah this was not our most uplifting um i mean they're not uplifting <laughs> do we, have we <laughs> ever had an real. uplifting episode <laughs> i wonder I probably not but so yeah thank you for listening to our podcast if you made it all yeah. the way here thank you for sticking around i'm very sorry if you have, um feel you have been emotionally attacked by me but um i gave you your warning so i'm not really that sorry yeah, that is yeah, true. Well, please make sure you're following our social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Facebook, Apple iTunes, whatever that's called. It really helps us. It gets the algorithm to show us more so more people join up. If you want to have some of our awesome, cool merch or would like to join our Patreon because you've run out of content on Spotify or iTunes, Please go to our website, deathbeforeboozeboos.com. You can find links to our merch store and our Patreon page. And mm-hmm. I nailed all my little boxes Yay. today. Woo! Yay! All right, friends. That we will awesome. see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. Have fun. Stay spooky. <laughs>